a seat. Don't have a lot for announcements. Uh, the first thing I want to call to your attention, though, is that a week from today, we will be having our missions offering. This is our quarterly offering to support seven different missionary couples, families. And so for more information, take a look at your bulletin. And uh, the rest of the announcements, I think, are, are also in your bulletin. But we do have one uh, very special uh, person that we want to call attention to today. Gene, Gene, would you come on up to the front here? Gene Arns is turning 102 on May 6th. So, so we're going we're gonna to sing happy birthday uh, to Gene uh, this morning. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gene. Happy birthday to you. All right, if you're in Sunday school, if you're in Sunday school, you may be dismissed to the back of the room. Your teacher will be waiting for you. Uh, and with that, I'll invite Kyle on up. Good morning. You can open up uh, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, Matthew 15. Gene, we appreciate you and incredible uh, to serve the Lord that long. I'm going to start reading as you guys turn there. We're going to do the first 20 verses of Matthew 15. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is put, put to death. But you say, If anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God... They are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely, merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant uh, that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of Jesus. Uh, God, we we want these words to, uh, to cause us to examine our own heart today, um, God, because we know that uh, what, what comes out of the heart uh, is what matters. And, and so may you just speak to us. <clears throat> may you challenge our hearts. 
uh, this morning. We pray it and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I uh, was sent a video this week, and my wife and I were watching this video, and it was a video actually in reverse, and it was of a, of a beautiful woman, and as the video went on, she began to take off her, you know, her eyelashes, and she began to take off her makeup. Eventually, she began to take out her teeth, and you could see that at one point in her life, she, it was probably a drug addiction of some sort, but the transformation was like unbelievable. And so you, you see this, and in one hand, you're like, oh man, well, pretty cool that you know, with everything that we have today, she can make that transformation and even know what she's been through in her past and maybe some mistakes that she made that she can look like that. But then you kind of read through the comments and uh, everything that's said, and you, you really begin to understand like the outward appearance really matters. It really matters in the eyes of the world uh, because in this world we live in, the people that are uh, living in this world, like that outward appearance is almost everything, right? You can look in, uh, look at Hollywood, and there's some beautiful people, right? <laughs> Actors and actresses, and they're beautiful people. People who are, have beauty or people who are in a, a position of power or people who have money, the world looks at them and, and listens, right? I mean, you look at a guy like Bill Gates, and if he speaks, and some of the things he says are pretty crazy, but if he speaks, it's like all of a sudden people listen and they pay attention because here's a guy with a position of power and money, and the world looks at it, and they're drawn to it, and they see it, and they like it, and that's the world we live in. Like outward appearance matters more than about anything. And so in, in this passage today, we want to see that, and we know it, I mean, we know the Bible speaks to it, but the outward doesn't matter. It's what's within the heart that matters. And all the beauty and all the fame and all the power in the world doesn't matter if your heart is not in the right place with God. And so we want to see the words of Jesus as we're talking uh, uh, this morning. But here's the thing about God, that even on a religious level, uh, you can see people who will go out and, and feed the poor, take care of those in need, and, and maybe show up to church, and maybe uh, serve on different avenues and in different ways within the church. But even that, even that cannot be real. Oftentimes people can do things for appearance, right? They can do things so they, maybe they feel better about themselves, or maybe they look better to other people, or maybe they think maybe that's what they're supposed to do. But what matters, as a reminder this morning, is our heart and our heart condition. Here's the thing about God. He knows the truth about you. <laughs> and that can be scary. It can be exciting. But he knows the truth about you. And all our actions and all our deeds and everything that we do, he, he knows our motivation. And we see in the story today, we see these, these Pharisees, these religious leaders that were doing things, not because they had a great love and a great heart for God, but they were doing things so they looked good and they came across that they might be religious. And we can go through all the motions of going to church, being involved in activities, but at the end of the day, God knows where our heart lies. God knows the condition of our heart. We're going to see this, this Pharisee group today and all the religious piety that they're literally wearing it. If you know anything about the Pharisees and the religious, religious leaders, I mean, they, 
literally wore their, their righteousness on, on their sleeves. Like they would wear uh, long robes. And the longer your robe, the longer your tassels went, the more religious you were. And so if you would see one of these Pharisees walking and they had super long tassels just kind of dragging, that you would understand, oh, man, that's a, that's a religious guy, right? Because in this time and still in our day-to-day, man, it was all about that uh, outside appearance. They would fast, right? And when they would fast, they would let everybody know about it, right? And Jesus brought that up. Hey, when you, when you fast, don't, don't let. And yet they did. They wanted everybody to know. They'd have these long uh, outward uh, prayers for everyone to hear. They would do all of these things. They made a grand show of everything they did. And why did they do it? It was an act, right? It was so that they might look like they had it together, that they might look like they are religious. And we fall in the same trap today. Like, again, God is looking at the heart, but so many times we do things because maybe we think it's the right thing to do or it's the thing that we should be doing. Instead of understanding that, you know, where's the motivation coming from? Is, is it coming from a love of Jesus? Is it coming from a heart desire? Are we doing it so other people may think uh, better about us? Uh, in verse 1, 15, 1, it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So we're not in Jerusalem at this time. We're in Galilee. And up to this point, you're going to see in Matthew 9 and 12 and 14, there were other Pharisees and religious leaders that are trying to trap Jesus or trying to question Jesus up to this point. But now we see the religious leaders from Jerusalem coming. So it's kind of like, hey, we had the local guys, and they couldn't get the job done. So now we're going to call in the big dogs, right? It's kind of like when you, you can't get the answer you're looking for. And so, hey, can I talk to your manager? I mean, this is the, the type of thing. They're calling in the big dogs to try and question Jesus, to try and challenge Jesus. So these are not just Pharisees. These are the big guys coming from Jerusalem. So then some of the Pharisees, teachers of the law, came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked him this question. And there's three things I want us to see in this passage. The first one is inward obedience to God's commands over outward practices. Kind of what we just were talking about. That inward obedience to God's word, to his commands, over our outward practices. The second one we want to see. Inward worship to God before outward worship is meaningful. Right? Our heart has to be in the right place. Like there are physical things we can do to worship God, but until our heart is in the right place, those things don't matter. And the final one is inward change causes outward reform. Right? We can do all the great deeds, serve all these things, do all of these other uh, amazing things, but if our heart is in, not in the right place, it doesn't matter. And for real change to happen both in our hearts and in the world around us, I mean, that change has to begin right here. It has to begin within my own heart. And when that transformation begins within my own heart, change will begin to happen in my life. The way I live, the way I act, the way I talk will begin to change. And we just want to make sure that those aren't out of order. So the first one, so let's go back to the first one. Inward obedience to God's commands over outward practices. Verse 2, here's what, what, what uh, the Pharisees say to Jesus. 
Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Well, that seems like mom's talking to us here, right? Like, you got to go wash your hands before we're going to have dinner. The other night, Ava told her little sister, Emery, who was playing like 10 times, Emery, wash your hands, wash your hands, right? Because it seems like the thing you're supposed to do if you're playing in the dirt and you're out working or doing whatever else, before you eat, you need to wash your hands. It's the right thing. Okay, now understand, they're not just telling them that Jesus' disciples just aren't being gross and have dirty hands and they're eating. So this isn't a hygiene thing, right? Now, we know that it's a good idea to wash your hands, but this was much more. See, in, the, in those days, uh, the religious leaders would say that, that there's a ritual that you have to do before you eat. Okay, you have to wash this hand with one serving of water, and you have to wash this hand with one serving of water, or if you had more water, you could wash both hands. And then you'd have to do it again before the next course. And then you'd have to do it again at the end of your meal. And not only had you do it because that's probably you know, a good thing to do, but you had to do it because that was a, they felt that was spiritual. They felt that was the righteous thing to do. Right now, if you go back to Leviticus and you read about it, that's not what the law required, right? It wasn't required that you had to do that. Not every person had to come in and wash their hands before eating. Yet, the Pharisees had made that a law, all right? So they'd, they'd taken uh, maybe some things they had read, God's law, and then they translated and did some th- uh, own things to make their own law, and they put it on equal ground with God's law. Right, and we have, we have a tendency maybe to do that in the church or in our own lives where we begin to put practices, not from God's law, but things that we have done. Maybe it's how we worship or how we sing or if, you know, we're singing hymns or we're singing uh, praise uh, music or you know, it's the first service or the second service. or you know, We all have different preferences, Right And things in, in ways in which maybe we worship God or ways in which we serve God. But the, the problem is, is that when we take those things and we make them law, right? Like this is the way you are supposed to do it. No, God's law is very clear. Like there are things we need to do and things we shouldn't be doing. But you had how we practice some things can differ. And so many times uh, we, I mean, uh, we were talking the other night, my wife and I, about praying before bed. Right, and so like, hey, we've made that a habit uh, with our kids. Right, pray pray with them before bed, and that that's a, I think that's a good practice. Yet, doesn't tell me in the Bible that that's how I have to pray, or that I should do it. And so then, if I force people, like, what do you mean? You you don't pray before bed? What are you doing? Well, you're not near as religious as I am if you don't do it. Right. Well, that's where the issue becomes. Right. And so there's ways in which we carry out what we've learned and what we know about God's word. And may become my practice, but that, that isn't law, right, in how we do that. And so I, I think there's some, some things that can happen. I, I uh, was thinking about 2 Kings 18.4, you know, God is doing a work, and it said he removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the ashra poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Now, that was pretty incredible because... Here's a thing that in the past God had used, right? Here's the pole. And when somebody was bitten by a snake, they would look upon it. And what would happen? They would be healed. And it was an incredible thing. God did some miraculous things through this. 
People were physically healed. Lives were saved when they looked upon it. But what had happened now? Now they're looking upon it and they're worshiping that. They're not worshiping God, they're worshiping that. And that can happen so often, right? Instead of worshiping God, we kind of worship maybe how we do things or how we go about things. Or, and the important thing is, man, remembering that, okay, what is, what is God's word and what we should do? And then what is the practice of carrying that out? Because they're two different things. And, and we got to be careful not to push how we practice something that maybe isn't biblical. And you'll see it even in the political world, right? I mean, we, we, we all believe that you know, racism is bad. Or we all believe, like, we, we have to help those in need. We have to help the poor or the refugees. I mean, I, I think there's biblical commands to that. But yet, man, we will fight and we will yell at each other and we will not be friends with people. Maybe that share different opinions of how that should be carried out. Right? So there's a balance in, okay, what does God's word say we should do? And then what is the practice of carrying that out? And so the problem here with the Pharisees, as Jesus is talking to them, is these guys had put their practice on the same level as the word of God. Like, okay, you guys need to wash your hands. This ritual, this spiritual um, thing that they did, it was a, a ritual, uh, spiritual action, rinsing the hands on the same level of the word of God. And so Jesus looks at this, and he could have just gone straight to the Bible and said, okay, straight to the Old Testament, gone to Leviticus and said, okay, here, here, you know, here's what it says. Here's why you're wrong. But I think he reveals their heart in how he continues the conversation on. And so he continues it on. Um, here, here was the law. I, I found another place where they had talked about the actual law. Now understand, you know, what ha- would happen here is Pharisees would study the Scripture and then they would teach their interpretation of the scripture. And that was considered their yoke, right? And so you'll hear like Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Well, it's kind of like that's just basically like going to school is what we're talking about. And so some of these, what they do, the Pharisees would take this understanding. And then again, through time and tradition and teaching, it became law, even though you can't find it in the Old Testament. And so the law at this time, it says, if a man poured water over one hand with a single rinsing, his hand is clean. But if over both hands with a single rinsing, they are unclean, unless he pours over them a quart or more of water. Then you are good. Uh, the Jews were required by this tradition to wash their hands before eating and after eating, and also between courses of food. So they had taken, you know, maybe some things they had read in Scripture, and they had made this law about it. Read in another place that not washing your hands, like these Pharisees had said, was as great a sin as adultery. So understand, when they look at Jesus and his disciples doing this, right, it's like as big a sin as adultery. And so this is a big deal. And understand, they're teaching this to other people, so it's, it's a big deal, not only the Pharisees, but others around, like, oh, what, they're not, what's going on here? Like, this is a pretty big sin that's happening. So what these leaders have done is they've raised those added laws in equal to God's laws. But no, out, uh, no outward practice is to be on the same line as the authority of God. And so here's, here's Jesus' response to that. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Right, so there he calls him out right there. So why, why are you breaking 
the command of God for your own tradition. And he continues, for God said, honor your father and mother. So now he's going to point out another way in which they have taken, taken scripture, done their own interpretation with it, and yet in doing so have broke the word of God. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is put to death. Remember that, kids. You heard that. You got that. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So here, here's what's going on. They basically, you, you know, the, I think the, the word of God is clear. I think scripture is clear that we're to obey our, our parents when we are young and we are to care for them when they are old. Like I think there's biblical mandate for that. So, you know, even my dad gets a little older. Still have to take care of him, right? Like, it's a, it's a biblical mandate. Honor your father and mother. Take care of them when they're older. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. <laughs> to not take care of your own family is worse than not believing at all. So as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus, like we're commanded from the word of God to care for our family. Honor your father and mother. And what's happening in these days, in this day, is that the Pharisees have now made a law, right? So when, when they were older in this time, like you were supposed to take care of them. And maybe that would cost some money and resources to do so. But what they had made is they made a law is like, okay, if you devoted your money and your resources to God, then you don't have to help your parents because that, that money, you're giving it to God, right? Well, then what happened is once your parents passed away, you could redeem that money and get it back, even though you'd kind of given it, right? And so they almost had this workaround system to feed their own selfish desires, right? And they built this whole law trying to, Use the word of God and then interpreting it and changing it and making it work to fit what they wanted. And Jesus is calling them out on that. Like, listen, what you're doing is totally against scripture. I have commanded you to obey your parents. I've commanded you to care for your parents, to take care of your parents, to, to take care of your family. And yet you're twisting this. And now you've got this law that you've made and you're putting it on the same level, which is in contrast to what the actual word of God says. So with their outward devotion to God was only a pretext for their own selfish desire. And so I think, I mean, it's a great example for us. My, my own dad and mom with, with their parents that were aging gave me a great example of what it is to care for your parents even at that. And we're commanded to do that. And so Jesus is calling them on this particular thing. And we see in verse 8 where Jesus described them accurately. So listen to his response in verse 8. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus looked into the hearts of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he saw they had no inward devotion to him. Right? It was all about them. It was all about their selfish desires. Now, from the world's point of view at the time, they looked religious. They looked righteous. Yet they were anything but that. 
this brings us to the next principle we must apply in order to avoid this spiritual disaster. And the second principle is inward worship to God before outward worship is meaningful. Inward worship to God before outward worship is meaningful. Inward devotion to God is the very heart and soul of true religion. Inward devotion to God. Like this is where it begins. If it doesn't exist here, then all that other all the other actions, all other deeds, all other words are for naught. They don't matter and they carry they carry no meaning if it doesn't begin in your very heart and soul. In one word, Jesus describes those who worship outwardly without inward devotion. And listen to what he calls them. Verse 7, you hypocrites. That's what it is. To have that outward uh, worship without the inward is a hypocrite. And now we, we know the word hypocrite as someone who probably says something that they don't do, right? They don't follow that type of thing. Well, what a hypocrite was is basically it was an actor. Right? And in those days, when you said a hypocrite, you were talking about an actor. And it would be people who would walk around. In Greek culture, it would be people who walk around, they'd have a mask. right? And they'd have a mask, then they'd switch another mask. And you know that this person, was, he was taken on this role, and then he was taken on this role, then he was taken on this role, and they'd have several masks to play these different roles. And so what Jesus is saying to them is, like, you're like an actor. It's all one big act. There's nothing true. There's no inward devotion. They were just putting on an act. Now, the difference was when you would watch these plays where they were switching over the different masks, you knew what was happening, right? You would see it and you would know, oh, yeah, these guys are acting. I mean, it's obvious. Well, the, the difference is with the Pharisees, you didn't know it. You didn't understand it. If you were living during that day and you looked at the Pharisees and you saw their long robe and their long tassels, you go, well, that guy is religious. And you'd hear their long prayers. Well, that guy loves Jesus. That, oh, that guy is fasting. Oh, man. That guy loves God. But that wasn't the case. And the danger is so great in being a hypocrite and being like the Pharisees that anytime you see Jesus talk about these guys, what is, what is his response? Like it is the most harsh words that Jesus used was always in response to people that were like this. People who on the outside appeared to follow God. People on the outside appeared to be religious yet in their heart. They were far from God. And his strongest words were always against people like that. What you, need to, what you need to do to ensure that there is always inward devotion to God in your worship, do not allow your words and actions to just become ritualistic. Like actors following their lines from a script. Such words and actions can become hypocritical acts of worship. And I know, man, I know for me, it's so easy to go through the motions. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I know this is how a Christian is supposed to act. And these are the things a Christian is supposed to do. And we go through the motions. And we put on an act. And we do this and we do that. And all the while, where's our heart? What's our heart condition? Because that's all, that's all that matters. Like, these actions do not matter if my heart is not in the right place. God wants worship that comes from the heart. You must have the attitude of the psalmist. Listen, Psalm 111, it says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. 
Praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Yet this is not how the world views it, right? I mean, this is what makes the, the gospel even so difficult. Like in the world's eyes, it's all we have to do something. We have to accomplish something, right? For me to get to heaven or for me to have a relationship with Jesus, I've got to do this or I've got to do this. I've got to do this great deed or I've got to help people in need. And yet that's not it. It's all right here. Now, once we understand it, once God has changed our heart, once Jesus has done a work in our heart, then our response to that is all of those things. Like we want to go help people in need. We want people to understand the gospel and what Jesus can do and the freedom we find in that. Right? We want that. But if it didn't happen here first, then doing the outside and outward deed does not matter at all. Verse 9 besides worship that comes from the heart, it's also important to have a right understanding of his word, right? It's tough to know what to do and how to act if we don't understand his word. It's tough to know how to worship, even when we begin here, if we don't understand his word. Listen to to verse 9. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So we go back to the Pharisees, right? And so here, they're teaching people how to worship, yet it's not based on the word of God. Right? It's important to have an understanding of what the word of God says to know how to worship. Because God does not accept worship on man-made doctrines. He accepts worship that's based on the word of God, his word. John 4.24 tells us that God is spirit and that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He makes it clear that to worship God, it has to be on his terms, right? Not on man-made terms, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders had made, but on his terms. That's how we are to worship God. And he spells those things out here in his word, which teaches us uh, God is a, a spirit. He's infinite. He's eternal. He's unchanging. And his being is wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And so our worship of God must always be characterized by reverence, thanksgiving, repentance, faith, and humble submission to God's will. And this means we have to have a teachable heart, which was probably in contrast to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, right? Who knew, like, this is, this is the way it is. This is how it's supposed to be. Yet Jesus comes along like, that, that's not what the Word of God says. That, those aren't my commandments. In verses 10 and 11, uh, I think is the, the lesson Jesus wants them to learn from this whole interaction. Listen to 10 and 11. It says, Jesus called the crowd to him. Now, this is everybody now. And said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. At this point, Jesus is addressing the very heart of the problem. He deals with the reasons why these Pharisees lack both inward devotion and inward obedience. And the reason they had no inward change. The Pharisees were trying to pursue outward reform through those hand-washing rituals and other outward forms that they had prescribed in their traditions, right? But this is impossible to attain because they were inwardly impure. What they should have pursued is inward change, not outward reform. And this brings us to the last point and last principle we need to apply in our lives. Inward change 
causes outward reform. Inward change causes outward reform. Uh, over the next few verses, Jesus kind of calls out the maybe the um, reasons you shouldn't be following uh, in, in the, uh, the Pharisees. But I want to jump down to verse 15 where Peter said, explain this parable to us. And what he's asking is back to verse 11, what he had just told to the, to the crowd. Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. And Peter says, explain this to us. What's going on? He wants meaning for it. And Jesus goes on to tell us, like, listen, it, it doesn't matter what you put into your body from a spiritual aspect, right? It doesn't matter what you put into your body. It doesn't matter if you've washed your hands and now then what's entering your body is all clean and everything's fine and eventually it will leave your body. Like, that's not what matters. But they didn't understand that. That's not what matters. It's what comes out of the heart that matters. <clears throat> now, you could get sick, right? My kids could go and they could play in the dirt. Not these two, but my youngest could go and play in the dirt and then, you know, eat supper and, you know, there's that dirt that maybe enters her body. She could get sick from it, right? And that's not a good thing. But what matters so much more than someone's physical condition is what their spiritual condition is. And Jesus wants them to understand it. He wants his disciples to understand it. He wants the crowd to understand it. Like all those rituals, all those things you do, you know, you, yes, we don't want physical ailment. But how much greater if there's a spiritual ailment? What comes out of the heart is what matters. And no amount of hand washing will impact your character. It cannot prevent your character from being defiled. And neither can it remove defi uh, defilement from it. Right, all that hand washing, like it, it doesn't stop defilement or what's already taken place. And this is the kind of defilement you should be most concerned about. Listen to some of the words that he uses as we look to, to verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. When our heart is not right, when our heart is not right, been changed when it's not in the right place. Uh, the second point is that the heart is the ultimate source of defilement. Verse 18 says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these are what defile them. The heart is naturally sinful, right? Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And because the human heart is sinful, it will keep on producing sinful character. Like all of those things we mentioned, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy, all those things listed uh, in verse 19. That's what defiles a man. But there's a lesson for us. And there's a lesson Jesus wanted us to learn. He wanted everyone to know that inward defilement is so much more important than outward defilement. And what could possibly ha happen to you from having unclean hands in this case is nothing compared to what it is to have an unclean heart. An unclean heart, that is the problem that is universal. The Pharisees, the disciples, you and me, we're all born with unclean hearts. We're all born that way. Above all, Jeremiah tells us the, the heart is deceitful, it's wicked. 
And we're all born like that. But there's a solution, isn't there? And here in a little bit, we're going to take the bread and the juice as a reminder for what that solution is. Jesus. The work on the cross. His finished work that Jesus went to the cross for me and my defiled heart. That I could have new life. I could be a new creation. Listen to the words here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And here's the hope that we have. Right? Even for our broken, wicked, defiled hearts. There is hope. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There is hope for my heart. That hope is Jesus. And all the actions and all the deeds and all the words, they matter not if my heart first has not been transformed. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for, for Jesus showing us that no matter how the world looks at things and all the beauty and all the righteousness and all the, the nice things that are done or the acts that are done, they, they matter not if our wicked and our broken and our defiled heart has not been made new by you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed. We thank you for the new life that only he gives, life to the fullest, life abundant that he offers. God, we thank you for him. And this morning and throughout our lives, we want to worship him, but because we have been transformed, we have been renewed, we are a new creation in Jesus. And because we are a new creation, we have a new heart, and our heart of stone is gone. God, we want to do all those things. We want to do good deeds. We want our words to be pure and uplifting. We want to make a difference in the world because we've been renewed, because we have a new heart. Thank you for Jesus, the one that gives this new life and this new heart. That's in his name we pray. Amen.